Welcome to the show. This is Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be Mr. Briscoe. And today we are both like little children, like Catholic kids meeting the Pope because we got one of the greatest workers of all time, <laughs> one of the greatest guys of all time. He headlined WrestleMania 1, and now he's headlining stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. We're not sure if that's exactly parallel or not, but we're excited he's here. Cowboy Bob Orton, welcome to the show. All righty, John. Thank you for the good words. Bobby, welcome, welcome to welcome to stories with uh, Briscoe and Bradshaw. Of course, you know who I am. I'm Briscoe, yeah. And that old ugly guy up there in the corner is Bradshaw. <laughs> but I understand you guys got you know you and I go way way back. I mean, I go back to your papa. I like to brag that I've been beat up by every damn Orton that's ever been in the ring. <laughs> you know, and and that. Pretty, pretty true. Starting with your old man, who was one heck of a man. He was a giant of a man, too. I, I, what was he, about 6'6"? Six, six? He's about John size. I think about 6'6", six, six, 285. Yeah, yeah, right around there Pop. when he was in his prime. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he, he, he was a mountain of a man, and what, what a good man he was. You know, he had, he had, he had, he had that Orton philosophy though. You had to work when you got in the ring. And if you didn't work, he'd just beat the holy crap out of you. And, uh, I learned real <laughs> quick about my second or third match. Uh, if I, if I don't fight this big son of a bitch back, <laughs> I, I won't have, I won't even get the, I won't even get my comeback to the dressing room. You know, <laughs> so I learned right away that you had to fight those Orton. So I, I understand you and John go way back too. When he was basically a puppy in the business, you guys made a couple of tours to Japan, and you you helped him learn the process and learn the, the working style of Japan, which is totally different than what he was brought up on. So, well, tell us a little bit about when you first met John. Oh gosh, when I first met John, that that's going back a long way, Jerry. My memory's not the best, but. But John was always a real, real nice guy. Japan. I mean, he really wanted to learn how to work. And uh, uh, he was lucky that I was there. Gary, <laughs> 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 I would get beat up every night. I just started in the business. And Kendo Nagasaki, Mr. Sakurada, booked me to go to Japan. I didn't know Japan was that tough. Or I probably should I shouldn't have gone. I get over there, and they're not just beating me up at the start of the match. They're smart enough. They blow me up, and then they just stretch me for <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. Finally, Bob yeah. put pity on me and said, kid, I need to show you a few things. Meet me. We met in a match, one of the matches, and he showed me some sugar holds and how to kind of get my breath before we come made. He really helped me get through the tour. Yeah, yeah, them Japanese fella make you work, don't they? Boy, do they ever. <laughs> do they ever. <laughs> I had no idea. I loved it over there. Bobby, well, he was a pretty quick learner, I understand, too. I understand by the end of the tour, he was clotheslining these guys, knocking them out and everything. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, known for that. <laughs> they started giving him some room after a while. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. One time, Jerry James. But that, that just shows you what, what, what you were all about and what you were taught by, by your father and the guys who helped you get into business, you know, that, you know, you see a guy struggling, you see he's a big guy and he's got a little talent and he wants to work. As you said earlier, you can tell, I mean, the guy wanted to work and that, you know, that's, 
that took some vision on your part and, uh, and, and, and then take your time to help, help a young rookie out. I mean, that's what the Hortons are all about. Well, your brother took the time to help me out too. He used to come down to the sportatorium on, uh, Saturday morning and he didn't have to do that, but, but he come down, he worked out with me and, uh, that is what I owe my, my career to is, is getting started on the wrong, wrong on the right foot with Jack. Yeah, well, I remember that, Jack. You know, you came down here, and uh, Jack, Jack had—I think Jack had just lost a title or something like that. So he—he he really wanted to help young guys out too, and he was a lot like you. I mean, he—he—he he, he saw you work a few times, and he saw that raw talent in you, and he, <laughs> he knew you had the ability to uh, to draw money for us down here. Yeah. So I remember those sportatorium workouts, uh, you know, you and Jack used to go to and I'd attend some of them. I also remember you and I and Bobby Backlund in Atlanta, Georgia, we go down to that hot ass sportatorium down on Chester street there. Be me, you and Backlund in there. And we, we, we would work, we go in there, John, and we would shoot. We were, it was a, it was an hour practice of shooting. And then we go work that night, but uh, Bobby would hang in there with us and back. And one night, one night, uh, it was back and I against uh, Bobby and Dick Slater. We're in one of these little small towns, about 75, 200, maybe 1,500 people. Uh, Griffin, Georgia, I think was the name of it. So we come up with this scheme. We're going to blow black Bobby Backland up. We're going to blow him up. I'm on tonight. I'm going to refuse to tag him. And Bobby and Dickie are just going to tag in and out, you know, real quick and make slam, 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 arm drag, slam, slam. Keep Bobby moving, hit the rope, knock in one tackle, you know, arm drag, and just just do all the motion and movement. And then, you know, and then Bobby come over and tag me. Of course, I'd take a convenient walk down and down uh, uh, apron there, or Slater or Bobby come over and knock me off the ring so he couldn't tag in. It ended up that son of a gun blew all three of us, up, right, of Bobby? Up. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't kidding. He was just a machine. Backlund was a machine. <laughs> Jerry, one time we were uh, training. You know, Bob got me on the mat beforehand, and uh, you know, I broke in with Brad Ragged. So you know, I got I got stretched for about four months with Brad. Then I get over to Japan, and I met Bob. So Bob showed me some sugar holds, how to get through the matches, a few things, you know, to help me out. And I thought, you know what? I've, I've got to try just once. I got to try. So James Beard, who's a good friend of both of ours, was telling me the story today. He goes, remember when you tried, Bob? <laughs> yeah. That didn't work very well. <laughs> but we had a good time. Oh, we had a great time. It was so much but Bobby, that's what, that's what the best time. That's what the business was basically all about, right, Bobby? Back in those days, you you help guys out. You you see, you saw a guy with talent like like Jack did with you down there. Jack ended up, remember, he went to Eddie Graham, and Jack was carrying a Florida heavyweight championship with him at one time. And Jack didn't right. want to be champion. You know, he'd already been world champion, so Florida heavyweight champion was you know just another belt to him. So, uh, but it meant something down there. And the guy that wore that Florida championship uh, belt. Was, was was the leader of the territory, was the worker of the territory. So yeah. Jack's all that talent in you, and he went to Eddie. And you know, you weren't the heaviest guy at the time. You know, you were a big, lanky, lanky uh, guy, and, but you hadn't really put on that heavy weight yet. You know, so 
Eddie, Eddie looked at Jack, said, Jack, I don't know. He said, believe, trust me, Eddie, I'll get the kid over, just book me with him, let, let me do a program with him, we'll draw some money. So Jack yeah. went out and 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 and, and, and you you got uh, got the belt from him and you had a you and Jack did all those returns. By the time Jack was through the you, you was ready for Dusty, you was ready for anybody, <laughs> the Dukes, all those guys could pass them through. And you were you guys were selling out. Out, you know, and that was that that rub from Brother Jack on you. Uh, I loved working with Jack. He's one of the best that's ever stepped in a wrestling ring, and I owe everything to him because he's the one who who took the time to to take me under his wing and and uh, teach me. But we were in Japan one time, and I've always I've never asked you the story. We were going, I think, to Shikoku, the Easterly Island, where you cross across that long bridge. I think that's where it was. And you told me and James Beard to go, okay, guys, I'll see you in a couple of days. And I said, what do you mean I'll see you in a couple of days? Because, well, I, I can't go to that island anymore. You were, <laughs> you were banned from an entire island. And I never asked you why. What happened? Yeah, they, they left me in Osaka whenever they went over there to, what was the name of Kushu? Wasn't it Kushu? I think, yes. But yeah. anyway, but anyway, I was, was, uh, Hell, I forget what I was doing. It, it probably involved a beer or two. And I guess I got into it with some of the gangsters from there and just slapped the shit out of them. And uh, uh, <laughs> the gangsters were going to get me if I ever come back to that island. So they'd leave me in Osaka. They'd go over and do the three days. They went over for them islands, and they'd come back and pick me up in Osaka, and away we'd go. <laughs> but hell, I told them, shit, I'll go over. I don't care. <laughs> so so you slapped a mafia guy and you couldn't go back when when you go to japan that's one thing you know you you're told over there don't mess with these damn mafia guys and uh, well how do you know if they're mafia guys they well they're walking around <laughs> with nubs on their hands right. <laughs> you know yeah. they, they're badass Terry, we, we'd fly over there we flew over there during uh desert storm so the planes were empty i mean completely empty and so Bob would want to sit in the back and have a smoke. So there was like six of us boys on the plane and probably 10 other passengers on one of these huge, huge planes. So we'd all sit back with Bob because we all wanted to be around him in the smoking section, all you know, trashed up this whole big empty plane so that we could sit back there with Bob. And flight attendant was saying, if we tried to put you guys this close together, you guys would throw a fit. We'd sit there for 13 hours. Yeah, gosh, what a trip. <laughs> but sure, I had a lot of fun. And for you young folks, you know, smoke went. And for those young folks out there, smoking was legal on air, air, airplane. They actually had right. a smoking section, guys, on, on airplanes, you know. And, uh, you know, imagine how, how safe was that? You know, a bunch okay. of guys back there drinking and smoking, trying to put their, you know, wrestling, they're putting a putting cigarettes out on their legs or arms everywhere else on the seats. I mean, that had to be the same. We, we, we don't know what we were doing back in those days. Boy, ain't that the truth. <laughs> Live and learn. <laughs> and you would have smoking section. It would stop. And the next section where you're blowing the smoke would be non-smoking. So you'd have, right. <laughs> you'd have a seat right in front of you. We'll be yeah. non-smoking. They're sitting there just getting filled with smoke with guys blowing smoke out. Yeah, we had a lot Bobby, of you don't smoke there. anymore, right? No. No, no, Good. no. Years ago. 
years ago you quit? Did you have to go through anything or do you just quit? Just quit. I think my wife had something to do with it. <laughs> they usually do. Yeah. I think she used a sledgehammer. <laughs> hey, Bob, when you, when you're at WrestleMania one, you know, when Vince decided to roll all the dice and put everything on the table, he mortgaged his home. You guys knew what was all at stake, didn't you? Did Did you know what was on the other side? You knew what the downside was, that if, if this doesn't work, Vince could be bankrupt. But did you know on the other side that if this works, this company could take over the entire world? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how everybody felt. If, if WrestleMania 1 did well, we knew we were on our way, and and it just blew everybody's expectations right out of the water because it did better than anybody expected. Being a part of that was uh, was an honor. And 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 you know, Vince Vince didn't allow any of that negative thoughts. I mean, you know, you you were aware of of, of the fact that if you know if we don't make this show work, you know, it, it we're finished basically. But uh, you you were aware of the success side too, and. Uh, but uh, Vince, had you, John, you've been around him, so you know he don't allow that negative thoughts to even cross your mind. So I know everybody went into that WrestleMania one with great expectation, that with with no thought of failure on their mind whatsoever. You know, so I think that's right. what made it work because everybody, everybody, everybody knew that what the consequences were going to be, so they picked up the tempo and and carried it on home, man. You got it right. That's exactly what happened. We put it on a great, great show, and from there, wrestling just ballooned. Yeah. Bob, did you have any problem during that time with, you know, some guys, they didn't like music coming in. They didn't like the celebrities coming in. You had Liberace, you had Sidney Lauper, uh, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> yeah. you know, more than just the celebrities, heavyweight champ of the world. Mr. T, did you have any problems with all the celebrities, the, the mixture of the rock and wrestling uh, going together? No, no. I thought uh, I thought that uh, they were a lot of fun and people. Mr. T and I had a blast. You know, shooting the crap back in the uh, locker room. He was a pretty good guy. Uh, Cindy Lauper was just as nice as she could be. She's a little afraid of me, I think. So, so <laughs> she uh, she stuck pretty close to Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roddy, don't blame her. <laughs> Roddy had a bit of a problem, Mr. T, though, didn't he? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun to watch. What was the heat? <laughs> but I made sure not. Huh? What was the heat between Roddy and T? Was it just the fact that Roddy didn't want T there? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, Roddy and I never really talked about it because when he'd bring it up, I'd just laugh at him. Like, what the hell? Who cares? We sold everything out and everything's going great. Let's not worry about the small stuff. But uh, Roddy was Roddy. You know, he, uh, gosh, what a guy. But he, in his own way, he was one of the greatest ever step into the ring. Probably the greatest, him and Dusty on the mic. But uh, uh, he could be a little insecure at times. But But that's why I was there, you know. What was it like being with Roddy so long? And I mean, you you kind of basically said what you 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 helped the the moral support of him, help help the psyche. Uh, 
out a lot. And I, I noticed that with, with Piper, I mean, you guys, you know, cause we were all pretty tight friends back in those days. And right. Right. We were. And yes, so we, we shared a few cards together and a few laughs together and a few adult beverages together, uh, you know, so, uh, but I could always see when, when Piper was a little nervous about something and he was, Roddy was a keyed up guy. I mean, you obviously you could tell he was very high strung just, just from very. his promos and his action in there, but, Emotionally, he was an emotional roller coaster. Also, I remember those days, and you, you yeah. did, you, you were that stabling force, and Bobby Orton, a stabling uh, rock for Roddy <laughs> Piper. That was awesome. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, there was never a dull moment with Roddy. Never a dull. <laughs> we traveled a lot of miles together, and, and I never said a word. Just listen. <laughs> Yeah, we were roommates for a while. He he had got an apartment, and he, his wife had went uh, back to Oregon. So uh, he had me come and, and stay with him there in Newark. But hell, we were never there. You, I don't know if you remember how much we traveled back then. But I'd get home maybe two or three days every two or three months, and we were always on the road. But we had that apartment up there because we did stay a, a lot in the Northeast. So, so we got us a place up there and enjoyed it, but, but shit, we were never there. One of the great, you know, Bobby, you said something really important there. People don't understand the, the, the schedule that, that we had back in those days, we would leave home and it would be like a 45 to 70 day. I think what the Sheik and uh, Volkov did like 125 days in a row or something like yeah. that. It was brutal. You just never had time to stop or even change, change, change your bag. You know, it, it was doing, doing your laundry on the road, finding the laundry machine at the hotel and being able to use it and then back off and on to the next sound. I heard a great story about uh, Lou Albano and your dad uh, waving a gun to get him out of the ring. Uh, tell us a story. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard that. Yeah, I, did, I, I knew him pretty well, but I didn't know him, you know, that well. I always got along well with him. I always saw him at the garden, uh, but I didn't never heard that story before. Well, that night in particular, Dad and uh, uh, Dad was probably the hottest heel in the country for for a long time. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, he was just good, slow, easy, one of the best workers ever to step into a ring. But boy, he knew how to get that heat. And back in those days, you know, people wanted to hurt you. Hell, even when I first started out, people, you know, you had to be careful around people. Nowadays, I don't think it's quite as bad. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, that night in particular, someone had uh, dead dropped two straight falls and still had so much heat. that When he left, some guy was, was standing up on the bleachers and hit him in the head with a chair, which knocked that out. And uh, Lou Albano went out with a gun and a couple of guys, dad's knees were just, just scraped almost to the bone where they had, had dragged him out of there. But if uh, Lou wouldn't have went out with the gun and uh, made people back off, they might've killed him that night. But uh, from that night on, he never got that deep, serious heat because, you know, he just, it was too dangerous. Now me coming along, I, you know, I tried to get it, but I could never do like that. You know, I, I wasn't my dad. That's for darn sure. He was the best I've ever seen. 
I'll, I'll agree to that. Your dad was awesome. I, I remember when I, like I said, I was just a rookie starting in Oklahoma around, ran across him. And Danny Hodge was, of course, you know, the guy in, in Oklahoma. And Danny was, right. a, was a smaller guy. And uh, your dad being the man of the man that he was, the size that he was, Hodge, Hodge, they, they'd work at old Oklahoma City Stockyards, that old Tulsa Canes ballroom, and there would be a riot in there. And then they'd go down those towns like Little Rock, Arkansas, right. where they didn't see a whole lot. And uh, your dad was so hot in Little Rock that he couldn't even go go from the hotel to the arena without, without a, a, a police escort with him. I remember those days. I remember promoter having the bets because he had to pay the cop $15 extra to walk your, <laughs> you all walk your dad back and forth to the hotel. <laughs> but he yeah. had the heat, man. He, there was a riot yeah. every night. And I was, like I said, I was just breaking in and I was just spellbound. How in the hell are these guys doing that? I mean, it was, it was cool. It was, I, I wanted to know, I wanted to be in the circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah dad was never in a hurry out there but boy he sure knew how to get them you, you guys are a whole family of heels basically three generations of heels <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think so very hey it worked still working today that formula that formula still works yeah uh, you know what you what you're, you're describing to your dad your dad didn't move a lot he took his time and he got it he you can yeah. you can reflect to to this year, this and watch your watch Randy out there. He don't get in a hurry. He takes his time. He gets yep. the heat. Yep. I, I guarantee you, if the philosophy of the fans was the same as it was back then, Randy would be getting getting in riots every damn night because of the heat oh, that man. he generates. And the people just don't realize how, how much heat he actually uh, generates while he's in the ring. But uh, so folks yeah. like you and me and John, we can step back. We can admire that and say, holy cow, I mean, you flash back 20 yeah. years and they're storming the ring on someone Randy does. You know? Oh, gosh. Got to yeah. make you proud. Yeah, he's the same man that takes his time and just just works right into things. And, and before you know it, they're wanting to kill him. One thing Skandor Agbar always told me was, you know, breaking in the business was when Luthez would come out, you knew this was the main event. You know, he just, the way he carried himself, he wore a suit, you know, he just was always different. I was done guest commentary since, but I called good grief. I called a ton of Randy's matches. Uh, I wrestled Randy too. Uh, but yeah. all those matches, you really see it because you're out there for the whole show. And when Randy would come out, it was just a different feeling in the crowd. And you know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, th yeah. this is the match. And it, Every time yeah. it was like that, it was just that, you know, he, he was, but it's methodical, but it works. But the crowd, you could sense it that like, okay, now we're going to pay attention because this is the match. How much did you deal with, talk, deal with him at the very beginning? I know he and Cena kind of broke in together and, and you were there, you were his manager at one point. Did, did you, the most of your influence was it about how to construct a match, how to get heat, when to do things? More so than just the the schematics of here's how you do move after move. Yeah, the athletic ability he had, uh, uh, there was no problem with that. Uh, I didn't really work with him too much about moves and, and stuff like that. I worked with him at uh, ring psychology, 
and, and how to put a match together, you know, while you're out there. Because you can start a match. You know, I used to start slow and do this and that and this and that. And finally, the people will start getting with something. And then you know which way to go. And uh, that's what I taught him. You know, just listen to the folks. They'll, you know, they'll let you know. You're, you tag with a, a mutual tag partner of mine and a mutual friend of uh, Gerald Briscoe, who also, uh, this man has a great feeling that Texas is a better country than, than Oklahoma. And that <laughs> is uh, Dirty Dick Murdoch. How great was it tagging with Dirty <laughs> Dick Murdoch in Japan and everywhere else? Well, I want to tell you something. There was, he was kind of like Piper. There's never a dull moment. <laughs> Dickie, was, Dickie was just a lot of fun. But gosh, he uh, uh, learned from watching my dad. And so he had dad's style. So when I got in there with him, I knew what he was going to do because I'd watched it since I was a little kid. Hmm. But he really, uh, I don't know if he idolized dad or not, but he really thought a lot of it and uh, uh, the way he performed. And that's, uh, but Dick Murdoch was one of the best in his. Uh, his time period, you know, just like dad was, was one of the best in his. Your dad sorry, worked Amarillo a lot with the Funks down there. And that's, that's where Dickie broke in, of course, was the Amarillo territory. And your dad was one of those white hot heels down there that, you know, that could, uh, could and down there in, in Amarillo, as you know, Bobby, every night you're in a fight if you, when you're a heel leaving that arena. Killer Carl Cox saved me so many times down there. But oh, your dad was, 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 the, was the king of, cow, cow, of cowboys in Amarillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amarillo was tough. I never actually, I worked in Amarillo just a time or two. I never actually worked uh, the territory. But, but occasionally they'd have me in for, for some big show or something. But, uh, yeah, dad worked down there. I remember I was just a little kid. I was in maybe the, oh, heck, I don't know, third or fourth grade when when we were down there. So that must have been in the uh, early 60s, I guess. <laughs> you told me a story in Japan one time about you and Dick Murdoch, about working with uh, the Von Erich boys uh, in the finals or semifinals of the tournament. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great story. <laughs> I don't know if Jerry's heard this story. Would you mind telling this story? It's it's just an awesome story. I'm just getting so old, John. I, I don't remember the exact uh, sequence, but I know that, that uh, we was in Japan and we had made it to the finals of some tournament. Or maybe it was the semifinals. I don't remember. But uh, I guess we was kind of ribbing the Von Erichs a little bit. And anyway, they had done something. And, and I said, well, shit, I'll just go out there and beat them. So anyway, me and, me and Murdoch go to the ring. And we're standing there in the ring. And we're waiting. And, and they, uh, they played the Von Erichs music and stuff. And no Von Erichs. I look at Dickie, I said, fuck, what's going on? And all of a sudden, they stop the music and play some other music, and here come two Japs, a tag team to come out and work with us. Von Erichs wouldn't get in the ring with us. Well, you told me. Wow. We you guys can't take a joke. Well, you didn't tell me about the story was that you were working for a Crockett or somewhere, wherever it was, 
And the Von Erichs had told, sent over the message, we can't do the job because dad said we can't. Oh, because dad said they can't. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. So, yeah, that was the other thing. They come over to Japan, they said they want to take the fall on me. I said, no. They said, what do you mean, no? I said, my daddy called me and told me I can't do the job. <laughs> when they came to Florida at one time, uh, I forgot which combination it was, but, you know, Eddie worked with the old man. He'd bring guys in, so he wanted, the old man wanted, Von Eric wanted to bring his boys into Florida so they could learn how to work a little bit better, you know, with a different style. So he brought them in. So Eddie, Eddie first, uh, first night in Tampa, and then, you know, uh, I said, okay, guys, uh, these, these guys are going over. One of them shook his head, and uh, a referee back, old Sue Swartz, I don't know if you remember yeah, Sue, but sure. Sue said, what do you mean, no? And uh, so uh, one, of them, one, of them got, one of them took Stu over in the corner because he didn't want, to, want anybody else to hear what he had to say to Stu. So he yeah. went over to Stu. And then over in the corner and said, My daddy said I can't do it, we can't do any jobs yeah. down here. And yeah, Stu, yeah. of course, just bust out laughing, you know. And so first thing <laughs> Stu does is come and tell the boys in the dressing room that their daddy said that they weren't allowed well, to do sure. jobs. Well, we appreciate Elaine taking the time and getting you on here for the time that we've had, Bobby. And yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Bob, You've been you. a great friend forever. I always like to tell a story. Like it was last year, I know it was two years ago, because we didn't do it last year. Two years ago, you and I uh, were in, went in Waterloo, and we went down to the watering hole down there. You said, wait a minute, I think my wife's on the phone. You pick up your phone, you take it out, you open up. It's one of those 1964 flip phones. <laughs> and I, Bobby, you say, yeah, well, at work, I can get my calls on there. I said, Bobby, phones are, they do everything. So the next week I go, I see Randy. And I go, Randy, I said, Randy, I was just in awe with your dad. He said, yeah, I know. He said he had a great time up there. And I said, yeah, we sure did. I said, but I got to give you some grief. I said, you're making all the damn money in the world. And your daddy's carrying around a 1973 flip phone. He said, Mr. Briscoe, I bought my dad probably a dozen telephones. He takes them, takes them, looks at them, thumbs in the damn drawer, and goes right back to his flip phone. What am I supposed to do? You know my daddy. And I said, yes, I do. And I understand. I'm sorry, Bob, Randy. <laughs> Them flip phones are easy to use, man. This hell, I don't even know what I'm doing here. My wife set all this up. Bob, <laughs> are, you, are you still uh, beating pool, people at pool for money? You know what? I haven't played pool in a couple of years, but but I'm pretty sure I can still shoot a pretty good. St- you know, that's one of them things where you you uh, uh, you either got it or you don't. And if you got it, you got it forever. <laughs> well, Bob, I, so otherwise, John, that. don't challenge him. <laughs> I don't plan to. <laughs> well, Bob. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for coming on. I guess I'd love to do a part two and get some better tech for all of us and all that stuff. I'm in a motel room. So, you know, maybe it's me, maybe it's Gerald Briscoe. It probably is Gerald Briscoe and his Oklahoma technologies is what I like. (laughs) (laughs) You were so cool to me when I, when I first broke in and went to Japan, I really didn't even belong there. didn't deserve to be there. And you helped me through it all. You didn't have, 
you did. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for all that. It's been so great knowing you all these years. Well, it was my pleasure. You're a great drinking buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I had to keep you over there. I needed someone to run with. <laughs> <laughs>